Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Primetime Rundown. Here they are, Joey Jarzinka and Nick Artain. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you back to the Primetime Rundown. It feels like it's been way too long that we've been gone. Alongside my man Nick Partain, I'm Joey Jarzinka right here. On the Eastern Observer, the Primetime Rundown episode number 13 is presented to you by Amazon. Visit them on Amazon.com. The usual. If you get Prime, you know what to do. Wait, Prime? That's right. Amazon Prime. That's right. Prime for the Primetime Free one-day delivery, and membership is only $100 a month, so we cannot thank them enough for sponsoring us here. Nick, this is your birthday week. Happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. January 17th, 2020. It is Friday night. It is 6:03 p.m. here on the East Coast. There's so much to talk about. We have been, we've been on hiatus for almost a month. I went to Las Vegas. We came back, or I came back, went to Pittsburgh. We had New Year's. It's been so much. We have a new setup here. We have new cameras. We have new lights. Everything is slowly beginning to come into place. We cannot be thankful. It, it we, or we have to be thankful, grateful. Everything, oh, just, it's great so far, Nick. What do you? What do you think of the new uh, the new additions here? It's amazing. I just wish they wouldn't accentuate all my flaws, like my face. <laughs> but we're uh, we're going to no. learn to live with it. Ah, uh, there you go. We'll get that makeup girl eventually. There you go. Exactly. Well, right here on the Primetime Rundown, the Eastern Observer, everything here is going to focus on Major League Baseball scandal. And it's beginning to fall into place. A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, Carlos Beltran, all... Uh, either fired, suspended, let go, whatever we want to call it. So much has been going on this past week where the whistleblower, if you will, was Mike Fires almost a month and a half ago. I think about two mo- month and a half ago, two months ago. And uh, and things just from there have gone downhill for Major League Baseball. Uh, ever since then, though, Nick, things have been going uphill because really we've heard we've heard people say, well, Mike Fires is a rat. We've heard people say, well, Mike Fires shouldn't have said anything. What we do know is example, he did start example, the fires. Ex- example, example given, Jessica Mendoza, who actually now after her comment could potentially be on the hot seat, if you will, to uh, be removed from the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, like, I, I don't think that was so severe to get her off the broadcast like of course most people disagree with what she said but like really you gonna take her off the broadcast for that i don't think it would be that bad either but basically what it comes down to is is that there is so much going on here and this is a massive scandal this is not this is this is this is close to pete rose time this is this is close to Pete Rose time. This is Shoeless Joe Jackson. This is a lot. This is the this Black is, Sox this throwing is, the World Series. This is right up there. Yeah. And this is this is uh, Tim Donaghy. Exactly. The part of um, there may need to be an asterisk on the 2017 World Series. And 18. potentially 18 with the Red Sox as well. We don't know what's happened there. We do not know. Um, we 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 don't know. There's still an investigation going on with 18, but 17. Um, has been concluded where it's it's obvious that there was cheating going on and we saw it in the documentary where they where they were rushing to get a computer out when Altuve was coming up the uh, the tunnel uh, out of the clubhouse and into the dugout and just seeing that is disgraceful and for what these guys have done to the game and there's 
there's some talks or rumors that uh, there's possibly uh, buzzers underneath their jerseys, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. And actually, uh, Aaron Judge took down the Instagram post that he had of of Altuve. And at one point, he seemed very, you know, very humble of, uh, I don't want to say conceding the the award, but the AL MVP award in 2017, Aaron Judge uh, was a short second behind Altuve. Wow. And Wild to someone be short to Altuve, huh? This guy with jokes. It's been a very long time. It's been a very long <laughs> They're time. They're all pent up, man. You need a bunch of nonsense today. It's Hope been, you're happy. Exactly. It's been a very long time since we've heard Nick. But in but but going back to, to the to the problems here is that baseball has changed forever. And I would not be surprised now if when coming out of the clubhouse we see some checks. It could be like airport security. You could see things happening. Because now you don't know who's cheating. You have no idea who's cheating. You have no idea who's truthful. Uh, this this goes the same way with steroids. And I think that the way that steroids was, where where you get random random checks, and you look at in the NFL, Josh Gordon, he he's a mess, and he's back on the indefinite suspension list, and he'll have to reapply for he'll have to reapply for um, uh, to come back into the league, and. Will that happen? We don't know. But now, again, it's the same thing in baseball. You have a random drug test. You, you keep failing it. You do whatever. But you might have to have these random checks with now equipment. Well, why does and that it might, random? And it, why can't they just have a freaking security guard in every stadium now that's hired by Major League Baseball to walk around the center field area anywhere a guy could be filming and just keep an eye out for it? It could be that for sure, and it also it, it could be that, but it could also be similar to if you watch UFC or WWE, uh, mainly UFC, um, where they they pat you down, they look in your mouth, they look on your body, make sure that there's nothing, you know, nothing there. Yeah, that could be done too in the feet. clubhouse that before the be, game. That could be a hundred percent. And you have to be, you have to, uh, someone has to watch you put on your clothes, you know, put on your clothes, something, and it would have to be someone not hired from the team, similar to uh, in football, like the um, the the third party neurological doctor with concussions. Mm-hmm. You may have to have something like this. Yeah, and. AJ Hinch, Alex Cora, and Carlos Beltran, I think all three of their careers in Major League Baseball have officially come to a close after this time. I think Carlos Beltran though, I think he may have another he, he may have I don't want to say one more chance, but we don't know what's gonna happen with the players. And Carlos Beltran technically was a player then in seventeen and Alex Cora was the bench coach. There's gonna be, I think, more bombshells that will be dropped sooner than rather than later. Yeah, I actually think Hinch is going to get another job at some point. He made it seem like... Do you believe? Well, the report itself said he did everything. Well, not everything he could, but he was very against the whole thing. He was smashing monitors to try and prevent it from continuing. Like, Hinch wasn't that big a part of this, and I'm not surprised that he got fired because it had to happen, but I think he also has a good chance with some time passing to get another job because he seems like he was not part of the driving force. Cora, on the other hand, seems like the one who may never see a field again. Alex Cora will definitely not see will not see that later. That's for sure. He will not see it for for quite a while. Um, there is there is a lot in baseball now where you have three managerial openings, uh, and it's January and it's uh, January seventeenth. You have pitchers and catchers reporting in less than thirty days, and 
the Mets, they don't need any more headache. They have headache. They have whatever it is, and now it's going to be uh, absolutely chaotic. You're going to have an absolute distraction for the next manager that comes in, whoever it might be. There's rumors that Terry Collins could potentially come back, but it doesn't look like it's going to be. I heard Rojas, the minor league manager, too. Potentially Rojas, too. And I think that just just from what you see, um, it's this is going to affect the Mets the entire season. And it's not going to be something that is going to affect them for the long term. I think it's going to affect them the short term. I think it's going to affect Houston for a very long time. And with them losing a first-round pick, losing $5 million, losing a second-round pick for the next two two years, 20, 2020 and 21, and the possibility of now, again, just what I, re- recapping what I said with the bombshell of the buzzers, if Bregman and Altuve are found guilty of this, I mean – your 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 num your main guy, you have Carlos Correa who's been on the trading block. You have Garrett Cole who just signed with the Yankees, a record breaking deal. You have Verlander who's getting up there, who we have not heard a peep from. It's funny how his wife comments when it's stuff about him, but like when it's negative stuff about him or his team, but now she's surprisingly silent. Kate Upton has not said a word, neither has Verlander. No one has said a word. The Red Sox. Right, well, are... I'm sure the Astros PR staff was like, "Don't you dare comment in any way, Absolutely shape, or form." Not. Altuve even deleted his Twitter account. Like these guys are taking severe effects here. Well, I mean, this is this is as we did say something as severe as the biggest cases in all of major sports. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not something that is going to go away. This is something that will be here for potentially years to come, and will have a cloud will be hanging over the head or the roof, if you will, of Minute Maid Park for a very, very long time, in my opinion, Nick. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be huge for everything, for all of sports, for baseball, for the entire sports world, because everyone now is going to have a sharper eye out for things like this, because you can do this in other sports, too. The Patriots have had issues with this recently, where they've been caught possibly filming and things like that. Who knows what other sports this could be going on? It could be going on in hockey, I guess, kind of, even though there's not really signs to steal, but this could be everywhere. Like, this may not just be a baseball problem. It could be every sport that's played that could you utilize could potentially, this kind of thing. You, and, and in hockey, you could you could potentially have 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 a have a camera going in the in the in the rafters or yeah. In, but in what, the is like, like what is it help? What is it helping? Really is help. that's that's the thing. Is like I don't know what you'd be using it for. So I don't know. But it's just it, it's honestly it's crazy where you look and you see to, and you say to yourself, well, the Houston Astros they had over a hundred wins in 2017, and they were. They beat the Yankees, and if you watch a couple of videos, you could see where Altuve says on the walk-off, where he says, do not rip my shirt off. Well, that was this year, wasn't that's it? That's a little, that's, no, that was in 17, I believe, that you they sure? showed I that. I thought that was the Unless walk-off. That, oh, I'm sorry, yes, that was now, that was it now, It was the one yes. you just hit off of Chapman. Right, that was now, that's my mistake, yes. Yeah. So, with that being the case, when it says, don't rip my shirt off, this year, what could have gone on this year? Yeah, I don't know. Could it's something so weird. have gone He made on like this a really lame excuse about his wife or something, but like that doesn't make any sense as to why he would not want his jersey ripped off. Like why would you be so vehement about it? You're going to the World Series. Right, like it's so such an odd scenario. I mean, Correa had his ripped off in game 2 or whatever and it wasn't a problem. So I don't understand why with that moment 
with Altuve, it was such a big deal unless something was going on. So I don't know how baseball, Major League Baseball came out and said they investigated 2019 and couldn't find any evidence of that, but just that video alone has to open up some more checking into it because it's a very, very, very bizarre situation. It's going to be, as we did say, a problem moving forward where you look at the at the at the roster moving forward because you already had questions at the number two spot uh, in the rotation for the Astros where you have Zach Granke, who is very up in the air. He's also 36 years old. Your top two guys, uh, they are both 30, uh, 35 and 36, or 36 and I believe both 36. Lance McCullers is coming back from Tommy John surgery. Brad Peacock is not a guarantee. The um, I believe uh, Jose Urquidy, uh, he was there last year. He pitched out of the bullpen last year. Um, and what he did last year in the postseason, he had uh, he pitched four games. He actually started one. He had 12 strikeouts. Um, he didn't pitch the whole year because he came back from Tommy John surgery. And there were times when it was – um, it was a possibility where he would, or actually it was, he was optioned to Round Rock, uh, the, the, the single-A team, and then he was recalled uh, throughout the summer. There's a lot of questions, and now with this hanging over their head, the questions will keep, will keep getting bigger, for yeah. sure. Talent-wise, I don't think the Astros have a problem. <clears throat> I think maybe they could acquire a star at the deadline and be better suited for playoff time but the division but will this but will this hang over the oh, players it, it and should, will it distract it should be a distract complete them. distraction i wouldn't be shocked if every single visiting ballpark chants at them every game like this could be a massive thing all year for them to have to deal with and they're professionals and they should be able to deal with it but they're going to hear it they're going to hear chants they're going to hear booze they're going to hear all kinds of things from fans more than they ever have they're going to have a target on their back the size of planet like this is ridiculous what they're going to deal with it's going to be more than anything we've ever seen well now my question to you is is that is there a possibility where we could see where we could see a shakeup in the espn booth because of what jessica mendoza said yeah. about mike fires and we and we rewind back to uh what she said where uh she basically said that she faults mike fires for bringing this up yeah, she said she, it didn't. It didn't come off to her good that he came out and ratted this, but like everyone, in a fan perspective, is happy about it because they don't want this cheating going on. But apparently, a lot of people in baseball are with Mendoza on this that they didn't want this uncovered. Which one of my friends was texting me about it and made some good points that wh why why would people in baseball not want this uncovered if it's going to help them? If this team is cheating, why wouldn't you want that nipped in the bud? Like I. The only explanation really could be that everyone is doing something like this or it's going on more or there's other things going on that teams don't want baseball sniffing around and possible scandals that are going on across the sport. So this could, could get way, way, way bigger. But going back to Mendoza, Andrew Marshan put out that article today that they're looking at David Cohn as a possible replacement, who I think would be fantastic. I want him to get hired as a manager. The fact that he'd be in the booth, he'd be overqualified for something like that. He's fantastic and on he's yes. In, and he's been in the yes booth for... Right, for he's outstanding. He really is. Years. He understands analytics. He understands old school. He's really good at describing what he's talking about and making it easy to understand. He's bit phenomenal at everything. So I wouldn't be disappointed, especially because the report said he'd still be on yes as well as ESPN. But I still don't think Mendoza deserves to lose her job just based on this. I don't think so either. But then you also see, now going back to the flip side of this, where you see Carlos Beltran's 
his niece potentially it might not have been his niece it could have been a burner account could have incarcerated bob it could have been incarcerated bob which is crazy and the the credibility of incarcerated bob could potentially be uh in jeopardy because of this where it could be him but i don't understand how that affects his credibility that possible probatron niece account keeps being right about things so if anything if Bob just owns up to it and goes, all right, yeah, it's a burner account. It won't look good for him, but it's not going to hurt his credibility. He continues to be right about a lot of things and wrong about some things. That's what insider accounts do. They take shots based on sources they get. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we've seen with Bob, he breaks an incredible amount of things early that do happen. So he's not always right, but he hits on a lot of his shots. He so does. He does. He hits, you got to give him credit there. He, he hits on a ton. There's no doubt about it. But the whole thing here is, is that, again, we move forward what is going to happen in major league baseball this year new decade new there could potentially be new rules there could be new security rules and i think that's going to be the biggest thing yeah i, I think heard there, i think there's going to be i think there's going to be a lot more things are going to be uh, a lot tighter in terms of uh just the just the uh they're trying to protect the, the integrity with, of the game right, like they the have players to now take all these new measures that are going to have to come in to prevent something like this or anything else that could be going there's on there's going to be a lot more security measures implemented um at ballparks now i think and there and it's and yeah, you're going to and you're going to see now it's going to be similar to the way that they t- that way that they tested for steroids it's going to be now here they're going to have to check for uh some cheating scandals anything along those lines excuse me and to see uh if things are uh getting better or uh just making sure that all these players are actually following the following the rules and not taking advantage of the game itself cc sabathia will be working with the yankees in a front office role there was an article nick that came out a couple of days ago where um there's a possibility that he will be the well it, that's a guarantee he will be the assistant to the general manager uh assistant to brian cashman but also a part of the role um, in the little fine print area, he will be working a few games uh, on television. And him and Michael Kay do not get along. Uh, Michael Kay, or actually CC Sabathia, does not uh, like the way Michael Kay, uh, the way he calls games. And now with Kenny Singleton retired, uh, he may have a little, uh, there may be an opening for him to come in here. And wouldn't that be the awkward situation? Yeah, but there's no way yes would do that. Like, they love Michael K. They would never stick a guy in there that's going to make it in any way awkward for him, especially because they already have such a great set of guys that rotate in that booth with him that they don't have to shoehorn somebody else in for no reason. Well, what if they have to? What if they're, What if it's – well, because we haven't seen any of the con- any of the contract right, but why details. would they sign the contract? They wouldn't have done that. They never would have negotiated saying, oh, yeah, you can be in the booth if it wasn't going to work. So either him and Michael K. have patched things up and – more has gone on behind the scenes than we know about, or, or this, there's no way he's going to be in the booth with him. Or, they would never do that. Or it could be also Ryan Rucco, where he actually hosts the podcast with him. Um, Possibly. Where, that makes more sense. Where wherever, Whenever Michael K. has off, obviously last year we remember uh, where Michael K. was uh, out for, I believe, almost four or five months because of a vocal cord issue and he had surgery on it. It was weeks. No, he was out for he was out for a couple of months. It wasn't four or five. Okay, so then two, two right, or three. Right, so two or three. Okay, so fine. closer so, to like four to eight weeks. Yeah, so we're right. It seemed a lot longer without yeah. without uh, without Michael K. But yeah, uh, Ryan Rucco took over, and he was uh, he was in the booth with all the rotating analysts. So now CC Sabathia will be or potentially could be 
Yeah, they uh, could also have him in studio, maybe, on like those little blurbs that they do, pregame, postgame kind of thing. But I like CeCe. He has a good personality, so I'd like to see him get a shot in some kind of role on TV or radio or podcasting or any of that. Continuing on with Major League Baseball, Josh Donaldson signs a four-year deal worth $96 million uh, with the Minnesota Twins and up to $100 million with a fifth-year club option. How good is this? for the Twins, and how good is this for baseball? I mean, it's great for the Twins because they're trying to win now. They have a team that competed last year. They got to the postseason. Um, they look like the team that should be legit again this year. They didn't lose much in way of pieces. They have to probably improve their pitching a little bit to be a serious contender, but they can't see this as anything other than good for them because he's an outstanding third baseman. Not only hitting, but he's a great defender. He's a massive upgrade over Sano at the third corner defensively. He's a great offensive player. Well, now Sano is going to be yeah. the DH or first base. Like They can move him to a position he's more comfortable at that's better for their team. This should be nothing other than a good thing for them. Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, Homer Bailey. Remember it, Homer Bailey? Yeah. He's now He actually signed there. Yeah. I mean, he actually signed there. That's crazy. He was absolutely terrible with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to be a big question mark with now – with some other teams, you look at the Philadelphia Phillies who are chasing after him, the Braves, the inco- the uh, the incumbent. Could they have re-signed him? Could the Nationals have signed him? They lost Rendon, but the Nationals signed a few other smaller pieces, which really could potentially be bigger in the grand scheme of things. You signed Will Harris, um, who, who uh, was on the Houston Astros last year. He's now on the World Series uh, champion Nationals this year. Um, you sign a few other players that you know. You lose Rendon. You don't sign. You don't put all that money towards that third baseman, and slowly you'll rejuvenate things around you. Maybe you'll find a, a utility third baseman or something along those lines where um, could potentially work out. But keeping here in uh, in Minnesota, AL Central Division champs last year. They, they, they hit the jackpot here. But he has to stay healthy. That's the biggest question mark that I have here. He has to stay healthy because just before Atlanta, uh, he was with Toronto, and in his final year, I think he played less than thirty games. I think it was the last two years were really injury riddled. Really, like so, yeah, similar. that is a huge red flag. But that's the kind of chance you have to take when you're going to win. Now you sign a player that's that good that can make that big of an impact. But could he be just by himself? Could he really be? that player that takes you over the top i don't think so because their offense was outstanding last year so like they didn't have a problem that but really you need pitching though right but if you know there's no pitchers available so take another bat why not like it's going to improve their team they're going to improve it's just they're going to have to find pitching another way whether it's the deadline some young guys openers bullpen games figuring out creative ways to get innings out of people and do better that way but there weren't pitchers available so you can get a guy like Josh Donaldson for a price that you feel like is fair, play him at a position you could use better defense. He's a leader, another guy that you can put in the middle of your order with veterans like Nelson Cruz and get some really good production out of all year and in the playoffs. That could be very helpful to the Twins because they need everything they can get to get ahead of the Titans of the AL. Jake Odorizzi had 15 wins last year, 15-7, and 7, 3.51 ERA. He was outstanding. Their outstanding number one, arguably <clears throat> number one. So 
that one. And also, just not too far behind him, Jose Barrios, 14-8 and with a 3.68. That's a pitcher's ballpark where they, where they play in. So, really, I'm very surprised that they haven't been able to attract some of these some of these high price starters and obviously you weren't going to you weren't you Minnesota is not the place where they're going to get Garrett Cole but a little little place little free agents yeah potentially they, they could have done a better job of getting I mean because Homer, ba- Homer Bailey is not right is not a number they should have shot higher than guys like Homer Bailey they that's probably could have done a better job there they could have 100% done a better job and really that kind of boggles my mind because Really, if you think about it, you need to do better. Will Will Odorizzi be able to get you better than a three five one yeah, ERA? I don't know if he can do better. Like this isn't a guy. They should be happy that he did that well. I don't know if he's even that good a pitcher consistently. I don't know what you can rely on from him next year. And the he's last, been a little up and down. He not only has he been up and down, but you look back also to what they did against the Yankees. They were swept. They were swept against the Yankees, and and they lost ten four. They lost eight to two and five to one. They were abysmal, Nick. They they weren't. They didn't show up. And I remember watching that. And the last game was, um, was in Minnesota where the Yankees clinched that, and they clinched that just with, with their eyes half open. It wasn't good. It was not good. You look five one, and you see what he did. In that game, five innings pitched, five hits, two earned, five strikeouts, one home run. Is it really all him, though? You also had to look at the bullpen, too. The bullpen wasn't great either. Sergio Romo, remember him? Yeah, he didn't do he didn't do really well either He in that game. You have to upgrade the pen. You got to do a little more than just the bat. That's, that's the way I see yeah. it. And really, Jorge Polanco, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, last year, he had uh, 295 batting average, 186 hits, 22 homers, 79 RBIs. The man, the man is a tank. And the year, and the year before, uh, he played in 77 games. He wasn't up the entire year, but there is a ladder for him that he hasn't climbed all the way up top yet. He's not there. I could see him being the next Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I can mean, you? Can yeah, you? I mean, I think Lindor is still pretty young, so you okay. like it's not like Lindor so, is going here, but he could be a very good young shortstop in the realm of all these well, other Lind- great young shortstops we have right now. But and, he could absolutely be part of that group. And not only that, also, but Lindor last year on a terrible Cleveland Indians team that was beyond beyond inconsistent, he was very quiet last year. Yeah, he had a little bit of injuries. He wasn't around all that much. He and he was the subject of trade rumors as well. Yeah. Jose Ramirez didn't hit great in the beginning of the year. You know, their protection in the lineup, it hurts Lindor a little bit. So and he was the whole Indian team is really looking for a bounce back, fresh start this year after a very, very rocky season. 284, 170 hits, 40 doubles, 32 home runs last year in 143 games. He missed, uh, he missed 77 games, la- or uh, rather, excuse me, uh, 79 games. Oh, my goodness. I can't do math. This is this no, is this is can. this is this is brutal. This is this is very bad. Uh, he missed uh, 39 games. There we go. I got it. Sure. It took it, it it took a little while. All right. Yeah. 39 games he missed. We finally got it. It seemed like he he, he missed a lot more, but um, that's basically that's basically the whole gist of the AL Central. Donaldson, we spoke about. 
We spoke about CC Sabathia. We have so much more to speak about since we've been on here, Nick. And I want to flip things over to a topic that really hurts me, and it is the National Hockey League and the All-Star Game. And the replacements that they keep getting, everyone keeps replacing everyone. It's reminding me of the Pro Bowl. It's reminding me of of Major League Baseball's All-Star Game, when it counted. And I know you were not a big fan of Major League Baseball where, where the, the game counted. This, to me, is sad because it was fun with the players that were voted in. Not only voted in, but they were actually the best of the best. Now you have the second best. And I do not... I don't take anything away from the women's three-on-three game because that's going to be cool you have a lot of you have uh, a lot of the best players that are going to be uh, in this three-on-three tournament. not to mention the USA Canada factor exactly that that is another big thing and that's going to help also with the with the ratings as well where potentially most likely we'll see the all-star game ratings go plummeting because of what's going on here I yeah, believe. They didn't lose that many big names. I mean, Ovechkin skipping a second time is really what's highlighting it because now it's two. Well, the problem is, though, is that you have multiple guys that now are going to be skipping the All-Star game. And you have guys like Marc-Andre Fleury. He's out. Replaced by David Riddich. You have others like Nico Heischer was repl- or Sorry, uh, Kyle Palmieri was replaced by Nico Heischer. You have guys... Uh, yeah, to me, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why the sport even allows you to voluntarily skip the All-Star game. You're a professional player. If you're voted in, you should have to go unless you're hurt. This isn't the Pro Bowl where no one cares and it's after the season. It's mid-season. And that's the same... <laughs> this shouldn't be that big a deal for you. Show th- up. And that's the same exact thing where where it comes down to is, is that it's becoming like the Pro Bowl, where the Pro Bowl... Yeah, the Pro Bowl is way worse because the quality of the game stinks. The quality so nobody cares the... when the players don't go because the game stinks, so that's different. That's At least the fa- NHL game, people enjoy watching, and you can't have people just dipping. That's fair, but years ago, it was better. In Hawaii, in Hawaii, it was... Okay, I, the give it 10 years ago. The game was always terrible, it was, though. Okay, yes, it was, but there were times when they actually tackled. Yeah. There were times they it, yeah, it, 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 the game still kind of stunk though because well, it wasn't well, consistent. Well, it wasn't now everybody. it's just terrible. Now, well, yeah, it's, now it's, it's way it's way worse now. But even then, it wasn't good. I never watched a Pro Bowl like never. Well, you also never watched an All Star game, did you? What do you mean, NHL? I watched Major the All Star game. Baseball. Oh yeah, I I used to watch them much more closely when I was younger, and they counted. So I guess I could be part of like that kind of hypocrite thing, like oh well, you watch when it counted, but I just lost interest. It didn't have to do with it not counting anymore. But in my younger days, a friend and I had a $5 bet that we actually still do to this day on the All-Star game. I bet 5 bucks in the AL. He bets it on the NL. We pay each other every year. So it's a funny little quirk. But the $5 meant a lot more when I was in, like, junior high watching these games. And, like, that one that went to extra innings, I think it was the Yankee Stadium year, was wild because yes. that was a big swing. The AL had won, like, 13 in a row or something crazy at that point. Yeah. So, like, it was meant more to me when it was the $5 bet, the talking trash with my friend. But now it's, like... Yeah, whatever. And I'll just randomly get a Venmo the next day. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. No, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. It doesn't ring as much of a bell. But, you know, I'll still kind of tune in. I think I watched a little bit last year. But to watch the whole thing, it's not that interesting to me if anything else is on. Right. Well, and then, right. Yeah, that that is very true. But now you look back and you see 
um, injury replacements. Um, you look, Tomas like, Hurdle was replaced by that. I understand. If that. You're gonna skip the game if you're right. hurt, or even a little hurt. I get skipping the game. You're not gonna don't force yourself. But if you're a healthy player, it's ridiculous to skip. You know what's crazy? In my, see, look, Tuka Rask, your boy Tuka Rask, yeah. has chosen not to play, and he was replaced by Tristan Jarry of Pittsburgh. You know how crazy that is, Nick? Where Matt Murray was the future. Of Pittsburgh. Matt Murray was now, a present. The guy won two comps. Like, he was the future. Wild to think that now he's not the best goalie in his own team. He's still only like 25 years old. He was the future. He was the oh present. Oh my gosh, that's so wild. And now he could potentially be the past. So really, if you look back, you see that there was Mark Andre Fleury. Was cho- uh, he chose not to play? You have Ovechkin who chose not to play. And you have Tuka Rask, who chose not to play, who the three of them will be serving one-game suspensions, which really, I'm with you. I personally believe that. I think it's an. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible, but I get the injury part, and that is fair. Jonas Corposalo, Dougie Hamilton, which we'll get to in a moment, Kyle Palmieri, Jake Gensel, uh, Jakob Silverberg, uh, that's considered personal. Um, we'll see. Uh, Logan Couture, yeah, we, well, that we understand. Darcy Kemper, we get. Uh, that's another one, too. And you have guys like Jacob, uh, Jacob Markstrom. Quinn Hughes made his, uh, will be making his all-star game debut. You also have guys like Jacob Slavin uh, came in there as well. And then also, the biggest thing here is Anthony Duclair. Can you believe that for Ottawa? Is it that bad where they had to where, where they voted Anthony Duclair in? Well, every team has to have a player. No, I understand so. that, but is it that but bad? But no, Anthony Duclair is having a great year. Don't take anything away from listen, Anthony Duclair. Listen, he is having a great year, but really, you have to look. And 21 goals, 11 assists, 32 points, 46 games played. Yeah, on a team that has almost no talent around him. I mean, it's basically him and Pajot are the only forwards I can even name on that roster right now, so... The fact that he's doing that probably facing number one D pairs and things like that is impressive for a guy who's bounced around a lot throughout his career. It's absolutely crazy to see what's going on. Colin White, who had that big who had that big contract extension in the beginning of the year, four goals, nine assists, not much going on. And as you know, Nick, you're not really a big fan of the plus minus, but I'll still say it anyway, minus 12 uh, on the year. Also, J.G. Pajot, 19 goals, 12 assists. And then you also have the uh, the breakout candidate from a year ago, Thomas Shabbat, four goals, 23 assists, minus 20. He could be He's playing he, like half the game every night. Exactly. He's <laughs> working on like a dog. Exactly. Well, and that's really and that's a, and that's that's the big problem. But that's another conversation for another day. But again, is it is is the is the the fun over to watch the game i don't think it's i don't believe so i think that there's still that there's still time and uh and and, and yeah, i still have plenty of guys there i want to watch i want to see matt barzell i want to see Connor mcdavid i want to see guys like you know there are plenty of good players playing but yeah this year a lot a lot of guys got hurt a lot of guys dipped it you, you the list you read off was pretty outstanding in terms of talented players that don't want to play and that's why it's getting highlighted this year that guys aren't going because it was a lot at once but I still think there's plenty of talent that's going to the game that people want to watch. There's a lot of first-timers, so it's going to be interesting. I love the three-on-three format. I think the division head-to-head format gets people into it. I love the changes that they've made to the game. Like It was fun back when it was the default 5v5 conference v. conference. 
because like you'd still want to watch your guy being every team that has to have somebody so it was cool in that sense but I really liked the three on three how fun it was to watch last year so we keep it moving forward here where uh, we kind of missed our 631 update Nick and Really, right now, for those listeners listening in, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot thank Mixler enough for giving us the opportunity to be on their network here with this podcast. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, Primetime Rundown number 13 right here on the Eastern Observer, I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network. Alongside Nick Partain, I'm Joey Jarzinka. We look at the 631 update, and the biggest thing right now is is that we're going to stick to hockey is that John Shannon from uh, from Rogers Sportsnet has tweeted out here, quote, tons of talk about Alexander Georg- uh, Georgiev being moved by the Rangers. Not sure why the Rangers would move a young stud goalie who could be their number one next season. Does not make much sense. Well, John Shannon, I have a player for you that could be a freak next year. How about a man named Igor Shestjorkin? That kid has played in 23 games this season for the Hartford Wolfpack and has a 932 save percentage and has played two games with the Rangers this year at the NHL level. Two games, 303 goals against. Obviously, that's not great, but the 23 goals uh, or 23 games played and a 193 goals against average for the Wolfpack has been great and he has been one of the bigger reasons why this team uh, has been really well at the age or has been doing well at the AHL level there were talks also that Toronto would be in that mix and if I were the Rangers and don't get me wrong I don't like the Rangers I don't like the Leafs either but just to see John Tavares lose more and more which you know it always gets a kick out of me um, I always get a kick out of rather suck them dry Suck him dry if you're if you're John Davidson. Yeah, I mean, keep coming with the draft picks. Toronto's not going to pay that much because when you think about it, once you get the playoff time, Georgiev's not going to play. So this isn't a guy that you're going to give up that much for to be your backup goalie. He'd get a lot more if a team thought he was going to be their goalie of the future. So Toronto might be in the mix for any goalie out there anywhere, but they're desperate. They should be outbid by a team that's trying to get a long-term starter. And if someone sees Georgiev as a franchise goalie, they're going to go for him. It's just a weird dynamic, though, for the Rangers because they don't want to give up Georgiev because they think he has that potential. They've seen the way he's played. I watched the two Islander games they played this week. He's outstanding. He's always played well against the Islanders. I think he's 5-1 and one now in his career against them. Like, he's an outstanding goalie. I've watched him. He could really be a great long-term starter. The problem is Lundqvist's contract really prevents the Rangers from moving on from him instead, even though he still has enough left in the tank probably to split the load with a goalie next year being paid way more than he's worth. Ideally, the Rangers would be able to go into next year with Georgiev and Shesterkin splitting time and growing together as goalies as a tandem, but the Lundqvist contract prevents that because he still has a couple of years left in an astronomical number. $8.5 million like, is that The money that isn't number. a problem for the Rangers now because they don't really have much on their cap, but it's the problem is a roster spot. You have three goalies worthy of an NHL spot and only really two make sense because having three goalies has never really worked for teams. It's odd. It's Guys don't like it. They don't like not being dressed for games. They don't like being the backup one day, starting another, and not knowing where they're going to be the next. It's an odd scenario. So the Rangers have to figure out roster capability before they really figure out who they're trading because they don't really have a great solution here. And instead of trading somebody who might think is a long-term block, 
you should really be working on trying to get Lundqvist to waive his no trade and and he might not honorably he, he, get he's him not out of do that. Probably not, but he not. wants to win. He wants to win here, but he wants he's to play. Not going to he's win not playing here. though. That's the problem. If the Rangers keep Shesterkin up the rest of the year and Lundqvist plays one or two more games the rest of the way, he might say, you know what, I might be able to go somewhere competitive, try and win right now while I still have something left in the tank. Split with another goalie somewhere. The Rangers will eat a lot of money and let me go somewhere where I'm comfortable and maybe kind of make it an admirable exit. Like, play it up, make it a big thing, celebrate them. Like, if the Rangers can do what's best for them, it might also be best for Lundqvist. He might be able to win a cup if he goes somewhere else. And not only that, too, he has, he has, Georgiev, that is, he's an RFA this year. Right. He's not going to take massive money, we don't think. No, he, Could, he doesn't have that. He can't demand that. He's not going to demand that now, and I think it's going to be similar to what Matt Murray got just a few years ago. It was only, I believe it was a four-year deal worth, uh, I think it was $12 million or in that well, range. Well, depending or, on what the Rangers decide to say, do. Whatever he, it was. He, I wouldn't give him four years if you think it's just Erkin's part of your 3. future. 3.75. Like, they have to make a decision, the Rangers, by the end of this season on what they're going to do Three-year term. Three-year deal, sorry. But, like, you're not going to give Georgiev. That's why they're looking at. That's why the rumors are saying he's getting traded. Because if you can't move Lundqvist, you kind of have to move somebody for Shesterkin to come up next year. So Georgiev's the odd man out because you're not going to sign him a three-year deal if he's not part of your future and you can't block Shesterkin by signing Georgiev. That doesn't make sense either because then the kid's not going to be able to play and advance and be their star because he's the one that has the higher upside than Georgiev. So we have to see what the Rangers decide to do. It, it only makes sense to trade Georgiev if you truly don't have any intention of moving on from Lundqvist. And you also have a lot of money. And you know how, Nick, you were saying just before, uh, just a few minutes ago with this, with the cap, cap space and everything like that for the Rangers, they have, they have $5.394 million set aside to just buyouts off of three players. Ryan Spooner, 300000 Dan Girardi, 3.6, uh, 3.611 million, and Kevin Shattenkirk, 1.483. That number goes up. They have seven, $7.5 million next year that goes towards the buyout. You're right. There is no way to, no better way to put it. You have to trade one of them. You can't have three. Could you have three? Yeah, you could, but then... It's uncomfortable for everyone involved. It's going to cost you a lot of money, and you're going to probably stunt the growth of your two young goalies. And also, I just realized Shesterkin's older than Georgiev. That's pretty wild. And do we also remember when the Islanders had the three goalies? Remember that? Yeah, I messed with everybody. Nobody liked that? it. They ended up Not losing... Not soul like that. Yeah. Where it was... Um, uh, where it was uh, J.F. Baruby. Yeah. You had Grice, and you also had Halak. Right, as and that well. was the Doug Waite year where that none of the goalies were happy anyway, exactly. so you were already had two unhappy goalies, and you were poking the bear by throwing a third guy in there. Exactly. So that one was no good for sure, but there are a lot of questions all around the National Hockey League as well. And really, the biggest thing here is not what happened with Georgiev. It's about these coaching fires, Nick. The 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 termination of the the terminations of these of the coaches the the of the coaches in 
first off, New Jersey, that wasn't questionable. That was that was needed almost seven years ago. Yeah, we talked ago. about that, that was, a while back. That they, was, that was going to come eventually. There that, was no way they were turning that thing around. That was needed. LaViolette is now gone. Which, that one was that bizarre one was because LaViolette's a great coach and had one down year, and now you're firing him to hire a guy who just came from a dumpster fire that he should have been doing a lot better in. Very bizarre situation for me. But the biggest, but the biggest situation, in my opinion, is Gerard Gallant. Yeah, really? I, that one I don't that understand. One, that he's one been makes great. No sense. All of a sudden, they're having one year where they're slightly no, mediocre, and, not, and you're firing a and, good coach. And it's not, and it's not even that. And you bring in a mediocre coach in Pete DeBoer, right? Who and, just got canned for having a bad season. Like two of the same situation but, where a team quickly brought in a free agent coach that just came from a situation where he was vastly underperforming is bizarre. But in Pete DeBoer's, in Pete DeBoer's defense, though. His team was severely underperforming because of the first off you have the cap situation. You also have a bottom six fault you have bottom six forwards that were worse than what Toronto has now. It's terrible what's going on in San Jose, and we've spoken about this more times than we've wanted to speak about, but um it it, it it's it's very qu- there's a big question mark in Las Vegas right now and what the Golden Knights did. In firing Gallant, which really, I don't know, if I were the New Jersey Devils, I'd call up and say, hey, get your butt over to Newark right now. You know who else should be calling? Seattle. Seattle, 100%. He just did an outstanding job with this expansion team. They should be on the phone now looking to pay him. Obviously, if you're going to find a coach right now to coach an expansion team, he should be the best candidate. He just did it with flying colors. But yeah, Jersey absolutely too should be on the phone because I think he's a great coach. I don't understand how he got fired. Unless there's a skeleton in his closet we don't know about. We saw some weird things happen with coaches this year. Maybe they know something Jim we Montgomery. don't. And they saw some a reason to get out and they took it because but, the team isn't playing as well as they should be, but they're not exactly disappointing. They're borderline no. playoff team right yeah, now. Exactly. And right now and right now, if you look back at the standings right now, they're not they're they're not that great. They're not that bad either. They're right in the middle of the pack, 25-19-6. and six. They had a 4-2 win yesterday against Ottawa. 56 points. Yeah, they're 5-5-0 five, five and oh in their last 10. But really, they're still there. I believe they're just outside of a playoff spot. Are they just outside? No, they're wild card number – excuse me, they're wild card number one. Okay, I get that you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be like St. Louis right now and have 68 points. Okay, yeah, you have you have the 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 players on paper to do that, but it, it just it doesn't it doesn't seem like a logical move that new general manager Kelly McCrimmon has done. What are you doing? Yeah, and another wild aspect of this is Pete DeBoer and the Vegas Golden Knights are massive rivals. Not like, only you never massive. see this. Gallant if can't, can't stand it, DeBoer, and he just got fired and gave the job to the other guy. What a slap in the face to somebody that had been so great to your organization. Like, if you I, I don't get it. If you can't, if you can't beat him, bring him aboard. <laughs> I, well, right. then that well that's gonna open yeah, up. That's, I, that's, I guess. That's gonna... But I'm pretty sure everyone on Vegas considers the fact that they won that series. Yeah. They're not gonna go down thinking they lost. They exactly. were they were jobbed. Exactly. There was no doubt about it that they were. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. Let's leave it at that. Uh, we keep moving forward here with hockey, and hockey is the number one sport really on here, and and college basketball really is number two, but. I'm sure. I'm sure the Seton Hall fans and St. John's fans don't. You know the ones that are listening into to, to me blabble, um, and Nick blabble as well. But uh, he can actually put sentences together. I can't. Um, y- you look at some of these, at some questionable 
you look at a few questionable uh, contract extensions, one of which being Nick Backstrom, five years, $46 million. Nick, you're probably looking at me thinking, why is that questionable? I don't know, because he is in his 30s, and not only is he in his 30s, you gave the man $9 million, $9.2 million annual average value. You have you have a lot of problems now moving forward you have you have one more year of Ovechkin he's 34 years old are you going to try and tell me that he's going to take a massive pay cut no could he no absolutely does he not. go no Do, so then what happens you figure it out you go to full Maple Leafs. You're gonna have to start trimming the fat, getting rid of some of your depth guys. Because you have, because you have Dmitry Orlov now for the next four years at five point one. You now have John Carlson for the next, I think, seven or eight years at eight million. You have Evgeny Kuznetsov for the next six years at seven point eight. You uh, and you also have T.J. Oshie five point seven five. Tom Wilson five point one six six six. Yeah, I mean the- this is. Well, this is a lot, and really, right now, you're at the you're at the tippy top. This is what it's going to come down to, and really, you said this, and I now 100% back you up. Braden Holtby's gone. Yeah. I he mean, has to be gone. There's no chance, and he's 30. It, it would be really hard to keep him. You're, you're probably right. He's probably going to be no, the one. No, you're right. You're right. I'm, giving, I'm always I'm right. That doesn't oh, have to be said. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> listeners, what do we have? Yeah. You can actually type in here, and you can uh, you can comment on it. Oh, God. Uh, if, anyone, if anyone is listening that has my number, please text me right now and uh, and comment on Nick Partain being right. Oh, God. Going back to what we were saying, yeah, Braden Holtby, I don't see him coming back. But yeah, Samsonov has been being groomed. He's an excellent young goalie. He's cheap for another year. It makes all the sense in the world that he's going to at very least be in a very high timeshare, but why bring back Brayton Holtby at a very high price if he's only going to play half the games? Why not go out and get a veteran that can split time with him that's costing less and can sit back when playoff time comes and watch Samsonov do his thing because he's really your future. GM Brian McClellan also just recently signed to Richard Panic to a four-year deal, $2.75 million. That's not that much, but then you also have question. Last question time Panic got a big deal flamed out because he's such a hot and cold player that one didn't make a lot of sense to me either right but then also but the biggest thing that doesn't make that much sense to me either nick is carl Haglin, who really yes he's much better on the east coast okay we uh, we we For whatever saw, reason we saw that in when he was actually it was funny i was trade i was i was traded I was at the game. Wait, I can trade you? Yeah, you can. You you could trade me. Yeah, you could trade me for, right, t- for, Ty- for Tyler Adell. You could 100% trade me. Might first-round pick. There you go. Oh, you could do that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll we'll get to Tyler in a moment, um, but there is some news on our old on our old co-host as well. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, but Carl Haglund talking about fizzing out in Anaheim. I was at the game 3 years ago when he was traded from Pittsburgh to Anaheim. His first game there, I was tra- I was there and he looked miserable. They played Dallas that game in 2017 and he was he looked out of place. But as you know and obviously everyone knows this, hockey is becoming a more faster sport and you know how years ago it used to be the the not years ago but a few years ago, like five, six years ago, it was, you know, the East is the faster 
the faster um, the Eastern Conference is the faster conference, and then you have the West. The Western Conference is the big, you know, the big and tough conferences. So you have guys like uh, at the time on San Jose, you had uh, obviously Brent Burns is is way bigger. You have Ryan Getzlaff on uh, on Anaheim with LA. Uh, you know, you have Jeff Carter. You have bigger players that were able to not only score, but also they were able to get hits as well. And Western Conference team were, were, teams were able to hit. Now, yeah, he he, he came he, he bounced around. He went um, he, he he bounced around. He he did a lot. Now he's back here at age thirty one on a four year deal. Could that fizz out, and could that potentially be a buyout candidate? Maybe. Like, it's another one that why would give him so many years when he's over thirty? But if you think he's going to play above that price, which when he's in the Eastern Conference he has, it makes some sense. But I don't I don't know if he'll be a buyout candidate because he might always be the kind of guy that some team will see the value in what he brings and be able to trade for him, even if it's for, like, nothing and it's kind of a giveaway. I don't know if they'll ever have to fully buy him out unless he really flatlines in a few years. Rangers, Anaheim, Pittsburgh... L.A., Washington. That's where he's been. There's a lot of money going around in the NHL. There's also a possibility of a lockout in a couple of years. There's a possibility of a extremely different-looking CBA where there could be a new TV deal. We don't know. What's going to happen? Nick Partain, let's take a break here on the Primetime Rundown. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. 6.55 here on the East Coast alongside my man Nick Partain. I'm Joey Jarzenka. We'll be right back on the opposite side here on the Eastern Observer Primetime Rundown presented to you by Amazon. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you back to the Primetime Rundown, episode number 13, presented to you by Amazon. Alongside Nick Partain, I'm Joey Jarzinka. We cannot thank you all enough for tuning back in following a, oh my goodness, almost a month layoff. It's been a while. It feels good to be back here. So much has gone on, though. We've had to limit what we, what we had in mind. We had to limit... What was on the to-do list, Nick? And now the biggest thing here in the Metropolitan Division for the NHL is Dougie Hamilton. He broke his fibula last night. Uh, how does that affect the Canes? How does that affect the National Hockey League? How does that affect everyone in whole? And I mean, really, he's been he's he's been a freak of nature. Um, and really, just you look back to his time in. Uh, in Calgary, and he was almost non-existent his second year there. Uh, first year he was really good. Wondered why they traded him. Now we wonder what. Now now we understand why. Or traded for him. Now we understand why. Um, he had he has 40 points on the year, fourth in the NHL. Uh, against Columbus yesterday, he broke his fibula. Uh, he's out indefinitely. He had to have surgery on it uh, just a few years ago, if I'm not, mista- if I'm not mistaken. Jordan Stahl uh, had the same injury. He was out indefinitely, and I believe he was shut down or uh, or came back way later in the year. I don't remember exactly. 
Um, but I remember, I, I do remember when he did come back of, to a uh, to a raucous uh, PNC Arena um, in Raleigh, where they were beyond grateful to have their leader back. But um, when you have your your rock on defense, Nick, this this really hurts you. And don't get me wrong, they have they have the the they have probably the best defensive core in the league on paper, just by the names themselves, Jacob Slavin. Um, Pesci. Brett Pesci. Uh, I mean, Jake Gardner has been an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, well, this now is year. his time. Now is his time to shine. There's no doubt about it. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but y- you have you have numerous players. Uh, obviously, Justin Falk is no longer there. The Trevor Van Riemsdyk as well. He was he was injured last year against the Islanders in the playoffs. Um, Hayden Flurry, he's still there. There's a lot of there, there. There's there's a lot of good things going on in Carolina right now. 27, 18, and two following the loss yesterday. Regulation, um, regular. I believe it was a regulation loss yesterday. Um, yeah, it was. And um, last second goal by Nick Felino. I watched it yesterday. They play Anaheim tonight. Fifty six points. What's your thoughts on this? Well, your first question was how does it affect the Hurricanes? And they're currently in the first wild card spot in the Eastern Conference in a very tight battle. They're tied points-wise with Columbus, but they have a game in hand on them. They're tied points-wise with Philly. They have a game in hand on them. They are one point ahead of Florida. So any little slip-up could see them outside of the playoffs. So this is a massive deal for them because he was their most productive defenseman. I think Jacob Slavin is still their best defenseman, but Hamilton was an all-star. He was having an incredible year. 14 goals is absurd for halfway through the season for a D-man. He was playing lights out. They're going to need to find a way to replace that production offensively. They're going to need to replace him on the top pair. It's going to be a big, big, big thing for the Hurricanes to be able to pull off, being they already weren't. Like, they didn't build up a lot of slack here. If they take a step back, they could be outside of the playoffs. So they need to figure out a way to replace him quickly and, and effectively. They, and they also don't have they don't have the firepower up front either that most other teams have. They're, they're getting there, but they have a lot of work yeah, to do. They're a better goal-scoring team than they've been in recent years, but they're not like a team that you can lean on your offense. They're going to need production from the back end, and that's what Hamilton was giving them. He was almost another forward out there, so and that's, and that's, that's going to be tough to replace. That's yeah. their heart and soul is their defense because they're, they're forwards, really. You you look at some of these players. You know, you trade for Eric Howla. Okay, a lot of these a lot of these bottom six players nowadays, Eric Howla at one point was a second-line guy in Minnesota. Ryan Dezingle. Sebastian Ajo, you gave a lot of money to him. It's time. It's time to show, you know, to to put the pedal to the metal. Um, what he's done this year, don't get me wrong. He's he, he's been he's been pretty decent. I believe 23 goals, 17 assists. He, excuse me, he's at 40 points as well. Uh, still, still good for him. You know, um, probably could do a. T- tiny bit better but you have a little more production if you will around you you have some more quality players around you now um that are slowly getting the puck more yeah i think Ajo is a big candidate for the canes that has to step up offensively he has not been the superstar type player that he was paid to be and 
I don't even know if he's been as good as he was last year. He's scoring a lot of goals, but his point total wasn't that great. He's supposed to be a guy who completely drives the top line and is a Barzell-type star on a team that doesn't have a star other than him. Like He needs to be able to really carry right now, and he's not doing a great enough job driving an entire line. So he's a guy that could take a step up and maybe get some production more there, but it's really the whole team. They have a good deep group of forwards, even though they don't have a ton of stars. So if all four lines just take a little bit more responsibility for scoring, they might be able to fix this kind of thing offensively, but we're going to have to see. They're going to have to all play a lot better if they want to save their spot they have right now in the playoffs or even have a chance of moving up because the Islanders ahead of them only by four points. The Islanders have a game in hand. That's not insurmountable for a team like Carolina that played so well last year, won two playoff rounds. They can find that groove again and pass the Islanders, but it's going to take a lot now, especially losing Hamilton. And not only that, too, but you know how we, we did speak about the goals. Right now, they are their plus-minus differential is plus 24 in goals against and goals for. 152 goals for compared to 128 goals assist. That's almost unheard of from Carolina and in January. Yeah, it's excellent. They're having a very good season. Not only an amazing season, but also they're able to they're able to put the puck in the net. That was something that was always a problem the past few years. Remember when they tried the Alexander Semin? Uh, they tried that whole project, and that did not work out. Uh, they're still paying him a few dollars, um, to, you know, in, in a buyout. This, I think, could be could be detrimental to the Canes, not so much to the league, more so to I, I think I think to the when I when I asked the question about would it be detrimental to the league, no, it wouldn't be because you still have guys like John Carlson leading the way, Roman Yossi, who is having a phenomenal season, um, but unfortunately his team is not, and then you obviously you have you know Victor Hedman, the usual guys, but then also again just right below him to kind of. Uh, bump up Tony D'Angelo of the Rangers. I hate to say it and I know the people that are listening, some 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 of them that are not um that are not Rangers fans. I'm sorry, but this kid Tony D'Angelo, is he a flash in the pan? I don't know. Let me know. The talent's always been there, so the fact that he's scoring, being given good opportunity, good minutes on a team with a young defense score makes sense. It's a matter of can his all around game stay and can he keep himself out of trouble because he can be kind of a hothead. We saw the penalty he took last night, the stick may have been slashed out of his hands. He got very upset about it and decided to throw his entire body into the head of Jordan Eberle, who had a head injury in that game. So, like, things like that can't happen. And you saw David Quinn ball him out on the bench for it, deservedly. But those are the kinds of things he has to rein in. The offensive talent is there. Him and Adam Fox can both absolutely play in their own zone. They can skate, they can make plays, they can score goals. It's a matter of, can D'Angelo get, keep his head in the game? A lot going on in hockey, as we did say, but let's move forward now to football. It is, to American football, that is, and not only that, to the NFL. Uh, There have been a few coaching hires, a few coaching fires. Um, Nobody was actually on fire. That is true, right. So, well, that's true. Um, Well, the biggest place that was on fire at one point was this state. And the reason why is because who the heck is Joe Judge for the New York Giants? They didn't know who he was. Now they found out in his press conference where he said all the right things. He said that they will be practicing with pads and they will be practicing normally. That is 
from what most Giants fans can remember, the Tom Coughlin way. Are you saying the right things? Are you saying it because you you know how the New York media is? Because you're used to Bill Belichick dealing with the Boston media and the national media all the time? New York media is nothing to 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 play with. They know what they're doing. They know how to how to manipulate you. You're going to be manipulated at some point where you may throw out the wrong answer. And he said exactly the right things what most people want to hear. Mo- well, the giant what the Giants want to hear, obviously, and what the fans want to hear. See, I take nothing from a press conference for a coach like that. 99% of that was scripted. He had all the time in the world to write it up. He knows he's going to have a conference about exactly that. But the, the whole thing, though, is but all right. You got a PR, PR guy probably wrote half of that. Like, come on. Like, but but sometimes, but, but no, no, no. But sometimes, though, you have guys that get up to the you get up to the uh, to the dais and they can't they 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 can barely speak. Yeah, all right. Sometimes. But what does that mean? That has to do with coaching. Bill Belichick goes up there and grills every single guy, and he wins Super Bowls. Nobody gives a rat's butt that he's up there bad with the media. No one cares. I don't care that he's up there. Sounding like okay. he knows what he's doing. I want you to show me you know what you're doing. Well, did he sound good... right is the question. Who did... cares? Yeah, sure. He did a great job. You went up there and said the things were pre-written for you, and you seemed like you got your thing going. Go win some football games, and then I'll actually respect you. Okay. This press conference made nothing to me. So what do you think of the hire? I think anyone off the Belichick tree, they have a possibility of being a great coach. Even, especially with, with... even with their wide receivers being absolutely abysmal this year. Yeah, but what is he working with? Myers was like an undrafted kid. Gordon, God knows what he's doing off the field. Brown was a complete diva. Edelman was solid when he was in there. They've also made Danny Amendola a star in the past. They've made guys like Chris Hogan came from nowhere and had some good years there. Things with so, Mac Patricia. But also, been he was also great. there. Yeah, but who's Mike? How's Mike Vrabel doing right now? Like, that is true. we've seen good and bad out of this. So you know, there's the potential for him to be a great coach. He's learned under as good a mentor as you're gonna have. And he's also the special teams coordinator, and every single year, the Patriots special teams are great. And it's not just Matthew Slater. He does a great job in every facet of their special teams. So he's got to have some knowledge. We've seen John Harbaugh succeed as a former special teams coordinator coming into the league. But it's so hard to pick these coaches out in advance because even when you really think a guy's going to do great, he doesn't. I'm just saying... You can't even judge a judge a hire like that from the beginning because it's so hard to predict. Let him get out there. Let's see what happens. Let's see if the players respect him. Let's see if they play hard for him. Because clearly some Giants did not play hard for Pat Shermer. We saw a lot of guys check out. We saw guys like Janoris Jackson throw tantrums and Janoris say Jenkins, things on yep. Twitter and get caught. Like We have to see. I think what you can tell from Joe Judge is he's going to run a tight ship. It's a matter of do the players respect him for it or are they just going to do their own thing and not care. So we have to see. He has to come in, coach well, mean what he says, be strict on these guys, and gain the respect of the locker room by winning first. Then he's going to have his whole message take hold if he goes out there and he's successful. Same thing goes with Mike McCarthy. Uh, in see, depth. that one less so. He's going to come Dallas. in and immediately get all the respect of that room. He has a ring. He's had multiple, multiple winning seasons. He was basically a good coach every single year for Green Bay. He just kind of wore out his welcome. Things got stale. The relationship with Rodgers may have gone awry, but he has the respect immediately of a veteran team in there because they know what he can do as a coach. And not only that, too, really, I think that he could have done even more if the Packers actually spent a little bit of money. Yeah, he kind of got screwed there because they finally brought in Gutenkunst and he started spending money the second McCarthy was gone. So he kind of got jobbed in that sense. Because really, Mike McCarthy, I think that he would have probably won another Super Bowl 
if they would have actually put talent around Rodgers. Yeah. If they would have put talent. Smart talent. If they you would have to be careful. Some but g- also some on the G- defensive side, too. Right. Some GMs spend money and it doesn't work. Like, the Jets have been trying this over and over again where they spend a ton of money. The guys look decent for a year and then they flame out and the contracts look horrible. Like, you have to be smart about it. Like, Guttenkunz looked like he made some brilliant moves spending this offseason getting Preston Amos, Smith. both Smiths. Like, they did a fantastic job of bringing in the right guys so it's not just about spending money it's about bringing in the right talent in every aspect and that's something that McCarthy definitely could have used because the defense never had enough talent when he was there Super Bowl four and while they look like a completely different organization almost and really Matt LaFleur has done an amazing job in uh in 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 succeeding when I heard Matt LaFleur got hired there I didn't love that hire well, because, he wasn't great in Tennessee as the offensive coordinator. Their right. offense was never that great. I was right. very confused. It was a hire that didn't look good from the out, and now it looks fantastic. He had a great year. He synced with Rodgers. He's got the whole team playing well. So it's hard to judge coaching hires until the guy gets in there and you see what takes from what he's saying. Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, they uh, apparently he stayed at Jerry Jones' house. Yeah, that was so weird. That Apparently, this is a normal odd. thing for yeah, Jerry, which I'd be—I think I'd be know. like, "Yeah, dude, no, I'm gonna go sleep in my bed." Yeah, like if you want to just call me the next morning, that's fine. Like, I, it's such an odd thing and for him to be like, p- "Stay at my house." I'd be like, "No." In their pajamas, having milk and cookies together yeah. at night. Oh, you know, we're gonna <laughs> just you know, like we do. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Or the occasional Chick Fil A or Outback or whatever. You know yeah, yeah. that too. Um, but you know, you have. Jason Garrett, too, who was fired, most likely going to be the new Denver Broncos OC, or he could be, you know, in competition with Pat Shermer, the new offense, or potentially could be uh, an offensive coordinator for under Vic Fangio. He didn't want, they didn't fire him immediately. No, that was they didn't a weird fire scenario. Him. They almost kind of strung him along because he was under contract, and they were like, all right, maybe we'll bring you back, maybe we won't. Then they started interviewing other people, and they still never told him what the deal was. We also heard rumors that they kind of did tell him what the deal was, but he didn't leave. So it was a very weird, right. weird he, scenario where they kind of left Jerry. Leave. It, was they, almost like a, it was almost like a girlfriend after a breakup. Right, but like the difference is Garrett had a contract. Until you tell me I'm fired, he was still on the job until like the 15th, I think, of January. Yeah. So. I guess you can't blame the guy for Just, still working. Yeah. He was still getting paid for another couple of days. So, and I don't know. It's a weird situation. Garrett should have come out the day after the season ended and said, you're fired and been done with it. Like, I don't know why he had to string it out this long. I don't know what the decision was. I know I he's know like what Jerry Jones did. That he made is, no sense. Garrett's his boy. He was the quarterback there for a little bit. And then he came to the head coaching job. He's been there a while. He loves him. Like, I get it. But you got to be straight with the guy, dude. See that, you shouldn't see, have, see, now you're holding them out in the wind. These other jobs are getting taken. He wasn't getting interviews, and now he's only got a couple of offensive coordinator interviews that he's getting. And there may have been other jobs that he could have gotten if you fired him when you really knew you were going to let him go, which was, come on, the day after the season ended. Once it ended the way it did, they didn't make the playoffs. He wasn't coming back. Well, after, well, basically after the Week 16 loss to the Eagles, too. That yeah, was, but they weren't going to let him it. go before the season ended. No, that no, didn't no, make no. any sense. No, no, no. But, right, I'm saying, I understand that, but right. I'm saying. It was probably the, finalized after that loss. The writing was Because they needed the a miracle anyway, Week 17. Even if they won, it wouldn't have been everything. Well, and, they, and, and, they, and they put up. They put up, I think it was like 44 points or 41 points against Washington, and they they basically took they took it all out on the Redskins. And really, you know, Dallas, I I can't stand Dallas. Obviously, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. Yes, yes, I know we lost to Seattle. You're also just, a person. Most just, of the world can't stand Dallas. Yes, I that that is true. But I think I, I 
I know perform. I know they have to perform. They have to do whatever. I get that. But you have a Super Bowl coach. Super Bowl 45 champion head coach. 125-77-2 is the overall record for Mike McCarthy. I think this team could potentially be back. Yeah. To but not I'm not gonna say their glory days in the nineties where they won three Super Bowls. I'm not going along I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they really could be they could be giving and really it's not to say much because the Eagles won the division at nine and seven, but they could potentially be giving them a run for their money. Well, let's see how the offseason goes. There's a lot to do there. Jerry Jones has a lot of work to do. Dak needs a contract. Cooper needs a contract. Byron Jones could be out because he needs a contract. Uh, Robert Quinn just had a great year. I think he has to get a contract. So, first of all, the roster has to get finalized. Second of all, we have to find out how much Jerry Jones is really going to let McCarthy do. This is a high-profile hire that we haven't seen under a Jerry and Jones and regime. And, and now Jerry we're going to have to see, too. is he going to keep sticking his spoon in there and mixing up Mike McCarthy's plans and things and butting in like he did with Garrett, or is he going to let a very, very professional, very good head coach do his job? I kind of imagine he's going to leave him be because I don't think McCarthy would have taken the job knowing that Jerry was going to be futzing around with things. Well, also, let's not forget, Jerry is also the general manager, too. Right, but he's not. it's not even... That, it's that he'll be in there, oh, you got to pass the ball more, oh, you got to run with this guy more, oh, I want more play action, all these random demands that he could be making that he was definitely whispering into Garrett's ear. And we already saw a little bit of that with Kellen Moore. He kind of, like, forced them to hold them on, and then Moore was maybe going to leave if they didn't give him play calling, and now they gave him the play calling. So now McCarthy has an offensive coordinator that he didn't necessarily pick that I'm sure Jerry said this guy is to stay. So that's already one little weird thing he's doing to mess with McCarthy and not let him do everything he wants. So... We have we'll to see. If that gets worse, it could end up ruining a relationship because McCarthy has a lot more pride than Garrett did. He might eventually snap and be like, listen, dude, I'm going to do this job the way I was hired to do it. Stop. Which is exactly what happened in Green Bay, too. Because right. eventually, towards towards the latter part and just a couple of uh, of articles that came out just a few weeks ago was that towards the latter part of the tenure in Green Bay for Mike McCarthy, things were getting hot between uh, ownership and... McCarthy and even Rodgers as well. Because right, that's why he, he got was... fired midseason. When something happens midseason like that, you know something weird was going on because they could have very well let him coach the rest of the year out, but they instead cut ties. And that was at week 14, too. 4 7 and 1 was where they were at. Right. Janu- it's only January 17th, and things are already happening in Dallas. So you know what? I don't take it back from what I said, but you you I think you're right on that. It's only January 17th and they hired and they kept Kellen Moore on. That's not his pick. Well, yeah. we don't I know mean, if it's his pick or it, not. You're right. It, it could, could have been be. his pick and he had a good year calling plays. I think he's a good smart young play caller. I think he's had a lot of time with Dak Prescott. That makes a lot of sense to keep the continuity there. So well, uh, at least well at least at least uh at least Mike McCarthy has a uh he has an offensive line to come into. One yeah, the, still one of the best. Still, yeah, it's something he had in Green Bay too. He always had a good line there, so that's very helpful. That's definitely helpful. Like the personnel is there for McCarthy as long as Jerry is able to retain at least two of his major free agents. If he can bring back Dak and Cooper, and see, he could possibly rank all three of them, but we have to see. He's... At the very least, they're going to have a good enough roster to win the East. It's a matter of if he can create a Super Bowl caliber roster. You have players like this. You have first off, your kicker is. 
obviously that, that means nothing, but let me rephrase. You have your quarterback is vacant. You have not a single QB on the roster right now. You have Robert Quinn, who most likely needs a new a new contract. You also have uh, Sean Lee, who most likely will not be getting a new contract because he might command a little bit more. Will he take a hometown discount? We'll see. Jeff Heath, strong safety. He most likely will command a l not, 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 not as much money as Byron Jones will, but you have three free agents that include also Amari Cooper as well. There will be some decisions, and I will not be surprised if three of those five or six players named will not be back. Yeah, you only get and one franchise tag, so Jerry's going to have to figure some wizardry out to keep these guys. Off the cuff, who do you franchise in this situation? Whoever you can't sign. Is that cheating? Wow, thanks. I if, appreciate right, so that. So you're saying if thanks. I have to make thanks. a decision right now thanks, of, who, of who to slap the tag on? Yeah. Dak. To me, Dak is the easy call because I think you have a better chance of signing the other. I mean, you probably have a better chance to sign the other two, but Dak's the one you have to keep. And you clearly those contract negotiations didn't go great because they were trying to get him to sign and he never did. They never really settled on a number. So basically you could slap the tag on him, tell him to prove it one more time that he's one of the upper echelon quarterbacks. He wants to reset the market. The only problem with that is if you wait and Mahomes gets a new deal and shatters everything, you might have to go over that if Dak has another good year. But it also seems like Jerry's not going to budge on the number that he's at, even if other quarterbacks keep getting paid more and more. So we really don't know what's going on between those negotiations. But the easiest choice to franchise tag is the quarterback. Make sure you keep him. He's the most important one. And then you don't have to worry about that one. You can negotiate with him again later in the year, just like you did this time around. Something, that the, something that's big, and, and I do believe that this needs to be said. And I think, and I think that this will have an impact on the quarterback market. The Indianapolis Colts are in for a QB. They've come out publicly and they've said, we're in for a QB. Whether it be through the draft, whether it be towards free agency, there will be, come March, most likely a new QB in Indianapolis. And why? Because they are right there. You saw it just a couple of years ago. They were in the, they were in the divisional round. They lost to the Chiefs. They were there. They have that roster. It. They are there. Yeah, they have, they have more work they, to do there. A lot of their guys stepped back this year. Things didn't go as great. But what Chris Ballard has done a great job of is leaving them flexible. They have a ton of cap space if they want to spend money. They're very smart with their decisions. They're meticulous. Brissett is still there. At his best, he's shown that he could be a good enough quarterback to run with. They just haven't seen enough of that. He was hurt a little bit this year. He's a little inconsistent. So I'm sure they are trying to look for another avenue just in case this doesn't work out or they want to move on from him. But they're a smart team. They're going to make the right moves. They're going to figure something out. But they did regress a little bit this year in the fact that their supporting cast doesn't look as great as it did going into this past season. That is fair. But the biggest reason why I brought up the Colts is because they're in for a QB. Let's say, for instance, they sign a massive... A I don't even know who who's out there in terms of a quarterback, in terms of a free agent QB, other than Dak. But Tom Brady. Well, yeah, okay. Will he go to the Colts? Hey, you never know. Could he play Could indoors he? in a nice cushy stadium? T. Y. Hilton, draft a weapon maybe to go there. And make sure you get a great, receiver and with a great offensive line too. Good tight end. You have Doyle. You have Ebron. You could bring both those guys back. Good line. Anthony Costanzo, left tackle. He may he, retire. He may. He, yeah, well, that's a problem. That's something they have to be aware of. That he's apparently been, he's teetering on retirement. Well, because he's been uh, he's been hurt the fir the 
what was it? He was a, he was hurt almost as many times as Andrew Luck. Yeah. Just a few years ago. But speaking of retirement, Nick Partain, Luke Keekley at 28 years old, one of the best, if not the best, linebacker in today's game. Forget since. linebacker. He's one of the best overall players. He's amazing. He's a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. Like this is one I was of the best say, players in football. I was actually going to say, I was going to say one of the best linebackers since potentially Brian Erlacher. Yeah, Ray Lewis. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, regardless of re, right, regardless of who it is, though, in the 2010s, it's been Luke Keekley. Ever since 2013, when he was drafted, when I had hoped that Chip Kelly would draft him, but instead he drafted Marcus Smith. But who exactly? Yeah. <laughs> so, but listen, I, I I I digress in that. But Luke Keekley, he came out with a very 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 sad. Uh, sad post and I don't want to bring this up but unfortunately I have to because it is our show Nick but he's had too many concussions too many concussions and it, it stinks because you you have this in the back of your head where this kid could potentially be a candidate for CTE and it's I know I know that most people don't want to hear that especially on the on on this on this program but we have to we have to tell the truth and that's the way it's okay let me rephrase that you have to say our opinions and that's exactly where I believe that this is is that the, if he didn't retire soon and he, he would have gotten a couple more concussions or one could have been the tipping point Two could have been the tipping point. You don't know. The, the the kid has had, if I'm not mistaken, I think since 2013, almost, I think like six or seven. Yeah, it's crazy. I think it's something, I think maybe even more. And he's only been in the league for, well, it would have been seven years. Six total years. He made it to one Super Bowl, couldn't win. Doesn't have a ring, unfortunately, but... He's got to look out for his health. You have he, to look like out you for You can really understand what he's doing here. He's yeah. made plenty of money. He's played in the league. And he's, he's enjoyed made... himself. He loves the game. You could tell he didn't want to leave because he loves playing football. It has nothing to do with that. But he is protecting himself, his longevity, his health, his mental state. Like he, He's really looking out for what's important and in life. It's, and you have to, it's admirable. It's smart. But it stinks for the league to lose a player of that quality. And it also stinks for the Carolina Panthers, too, yeah. who are now – they're not in rebuild mode, but after this – the argument gets a little bit better for that, especially because you may not see Cam Newton in a in a uniform of the Carolina Panthers anymore. Yeah, how big a change would that be? No yeah. Cam, no Keekley on the same year? That's rough. And you already lost Thomas Davis, too, the rock. The yeah, rock. another heart and soul player. Heart and soul player who's now with the Chargers. You you have numerous players uh, that that are gone, that are there. It, it You know, Cam Newton, really, from that from that. Uh, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl team. There's not many players left from there. I don't believe. If you yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of changes. Things change really quickly in the NFL. Even a couple of years ago, rosters are completely different. Many, many things are going on. I mean, hey, you have uh, Baylor head coach Matt Rule uh, was just was named the Panthers head coach. I'm just, really excited uh, to see what his regime ago. is like. Being he was so close to being the Jets coach, and it really came down to ownership demanding. Um, veteran coordinators that kind of botched the whole thing. But I'm really excited to see what he does with an NFL roster, a locker room. He seems like the kind of guy that builds an incredible culture. He did that in Temple. He did it at Baylor. 
like he's able to grow programs, but we have to see if it works in the pros because it's a lot harder to get through to professional athletes who are being paid and have their own sponsorships and lives and their diva attitudes where in college they really don't have that because they're only playing for football. They're playing for their love for themselves, for their team. Like this is a completely different scenario trying to get NFL players to respect you and band together the way he did with colleges. Can we also, can we also just bring up, uh, Chip Kelly as well and talk about what he did coming from Oregon yeah, to Philly. And but he I think completely... Chip Kelly was different because they looked at Chip Kelly as like an offensive genius, not exactly a program builder per se. Like Chip Kelly wasn't known for his team culture and locker room and banding together players and building like an empire. He was known for his play calling. And, and he was also, and he was also of... known for, and he was also known for the league's lowest in history time of possession. Yeah. But you know what? Listen, when he came in, the offense looked good. It's just that they were going too fast. It was too much hurry up. It was screwing his defense over. And then when the offense faded a little bit, when he either tried to change things or it just got stagnant or his players got tired of him because he kept trading away a bunch of guys and making a lot of weird personnel decisions, he wore out his welcome. But we have to oh, see, is Rule yeah. going to handle this better than that? Because he comes in with the same kind of expectation that Chip Kelly had, that this guy should be able to come in, create a program, have a good offense, and we'll see what else comes Well, the difference – well, and, and this is the biggest difference here between Rule and Chip Kelly is that Chip actually had a roster to come into. Here, Carolina, there's going to be a lot of changes where starting off right away with a quarterback because really, you know, you had – years ago, you had still – you had Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, um, Michael Vick, uh, LaShawn McCoy. McCoy, right, and you also had Brent you know, Selleck. right, you, you had you had the and just those five guys right there were at the time they were they were perennial players where it was it was a solid it's not spectacular. Exactly. And their offensive line at the time was one of still well, not anymore, um, but one of the best in the league in offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot a lot changing there. Uh, in Carolina, keeping it moving forward. You know what's really sad, Nick? Our childhood, I think, it, and, I, and I say this all the time after a after a player retires or after a player leaves, but Antonio Gates is is done. Yeah. He retired. You know, and I remember watching him in Qualcomm Stadium and and watching uh, with with LT with Ladanian Tomlinson and and watching uh, San Diego. That's Chargers. what I'm saying. This the, the powder the real, blue uniforms. The real Chargers. Yeah. You know, the real Chargers, uh, in in Southern California, in in that in that weird looking stadium. You know, just really a lot of um. Our child, you know, I mean, hell, you just turned 26 this past week. Thanks. You are, oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about it. Listen, this is, you make jokes, I make, actually, I tell the truth, but, you know, you make jokes. Yeah. So, uh-huh, exactly. All right, Baldy, calm down. Uh-huh. Hey, listen, it's all right. I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> At show. At least I look young. Listen, I'll, that is true. I'll show it on the camera one day. Oh, my God. Um, but. It, it it's it's sad, you know. You see, you, you see some of these players leave the game. You see, um, it's it's wild how the circle of life is, and and Antonio Gates is really he's he's another one. And the the next one really that's that's gonna really hit home is Drew Brees when he retires because he's forty, and I feel like just watching Super Bowl forty four when it was. Surprisingly, I believe it was ten years ago because we're Super Bowl Fifty Four this year, and when you saw Breeze and Peyton Manning go at it, Colts Saints, with the Thomas Morstead onside kick to start the second half, you know, 
and uh, it it hurt when you see Peyton Manning retire, and it's really I think it. I don't know about you, but I mean, well, we're gonna see a lot more of this going forward because yeah. Breeze isn't the only one. You have the three quarterbacks from that famous draft class: Eli Rivers, Roethlisberger. Right. They're all near the end. They could all be retiring. We don't know when Brady's gonna yeah. finally hang them up. It's so true. we had a lot of big names that could be retiring in the near future that have yeah. to be looked at. Yeah. Well, um, that means I'm gonna be crying in the next two weeks uh, on well, air. In terms so. of Brady, I'll be happy. So well, that's the rest true. Of them, that's true. Well, I'm just saying. I'm going to cry that Eli's gone. I mean, it's so great watching him bomb the Giants That's every right. single and, freaking year, and man. And throw interceptions, I'm going to miss right? it so much. I missed it a lot this year. I was so happy when they brought him back, and he went right back to his old ways. It was yeah. so great. <laughs> All those Giants fans talk about, oh, Eli's not the problem, but somehow the second Daniel Jones came in, their offense looked, you know, useful. Like that first game, the first game against the Bucks was great. All the freaking Giants fans were doing was whining about, oh, Eli doesn't have a supporting cast. Daniel Jones came in the first game against Tampa at four touchdowns, and they won. Like, hmm, maybe it wasn't the supporting cast. It was a crummy quarterback that was the problem. Calm down. This is a PG program, okay? This is a PG program. We're talking about Paul George? Oh, yeah. I didn't say PG-13, but okay. All right. Uh, That's true. Uh Conference championships. We spoke about. We spoke about. I the can't pa- wait. This yeah, yeah. We spoke about the Packers before. The Packers are going to be in San Francisco. That's going to be su- uh, Sunday night. Sunday during the day is going to be, in my opinion, the better of the two games: Chiefs Titans. And the reason why you have two and six going at it rather than two and one. Not yeah. a lot of people. Hold on, hold on. Did you see the Green Bay San Fran game a Listen, few weeks ago? It was a blowout. I did. I did see it. But the biggest thing that I look at here is, is Kansas City and Tennessee. You see, they're the Cinderella story. Tennessee. Yeah, they are the sixty. Absolutely. They were supposed to be. And really, and 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 I'm gonna tell you this flat out. I said this. Tennessee, when they got into the playoffs. There was no doubt in my mind that they were going to defeat New England. None at all because they took him out handily in Tennessee. Yeah. Off of the heels of Derrick Henry. And look what happened. He did it again. And then he did it again against Baltimore. And don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Baltimore is a freak of nature team led by Lamar Jackson. It's his first, actually rather his second playoff start. You are the one seed. You have so much expectations. You were the hunter. Now you were the hunted. He now has one of which. Well, he has both hunter and hunted on his resume. He's ready to take off next year, I think. Going back to this year and the Titans, Mike Rabel from the Belichick tree. You said it. Man's yeah. a freak. What a job. What but a really, job, man. Who's, Turning, who's making one quarterback freak, decision and completely changing the entire complexion of your organization's trajectory is really a bold maneuver when you're what was it the second year on the job like tough call makes it ryan and Tannehill everything just changes ryan Tannehill will now be useful and relevant again it's crazy yeah when marcus mariota was the talk of the town back in 2014 when there was possibilities where chip kelly might draft him and yeah. that didn't happen yep but instead they got sam bradford whatever we're not we're not talking about that we're talking about this year where ryan Tannehill, marcus mariota will now be kicked to the curb and ryan Tannehill will now be either he'll be franchise tagged or he'll be given or he'll, he'll be given a, a long-term deal i think he's going to be given the kirk cousins treatment this year and be given a franchise tag because really could this be a flash in the pan deal could we'll be. see it, it very well could be you never know. It could be like a Nick Foles deal where I don't know they gave they gave you a ton of money guaranteed and look 
NFTs now might be kicked to the curb, and well, not this year because that would be a lot of dead money. But Gardner Minshew is now going to take over. You'd figure as the starter. We're going to see. I think they'll have like a yeah. full blown competition next year because we don't know how healthy Foles was when he came back. They're going to have a whole change in hierarchy there. So we have to see what changes and everything happens. But I think it'll basically be a competition because you really you're right. Getting moving on from Foles would be incredibly difficult to do without eating a ton of money. Right. So he's but, probably going to be on the roster. They'll give him another chance. They'll change some things up. We'll see what happens next year. Going back to Tennessee and KC this, right. though, yeah. who's your pick for that game? I You've honestly, been riding high on Tennessee. Do you think they can do it again? No, I don't think they can. I think Kansas City can do it, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Andy Reid's. I don't think he wins in the Super Bowl, though. I'm sorry. I don't think so. I well, think who do you think wins the other I, game? I think San Francisco, and I think San Francisco will bring it home. Hmm. I, think San, I, I, I think San Francisco is too well-rounded. Yeah. Quan Alexander has come back. Richard Sherman has come back at a at a astronomical level. D. Ford is back from his hamstring injury. He's back to normal. DeForest Buckner, Chip Kelly uh, drafty. But do you see Nick, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa? My mm-hmm. goodness, that yeah. kid's a freak, and he's and he and he's like the fourth best guy. Yeah, but do you, what about the other side of the ball? Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo can do it? I think because he can. Since I that Saints game, he's been a little shaky again. We don't yeah. know. He has to have another one of those vintage Garoppolo games. Oh, soon, the running game, uh, because yeah. their running, running game, game needs the to running come game back. is very good too. We, but I don't know. Raheem you play Mostert. if you play Kansas City in the Super Bowl, you're gonna have to put points up. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good San Fran's defense is. Kansas City's gonna score at least thirty on you. It's gonna happen. So can Garoppolo put up a thirty point game and keep them in it? I don't know. It's I, gonna be really tough. It's a well, neutral site. It's gonna be a warm game. You're not gonna have the luxury of weather and things like that to help you out. And who will that benefit? I think that's gonna benefit San Fran. How does it not benefit the offense? A fast turf. It could. In a nice environment for those receivers for Kansas City sprinting 50 yards down the field. It's going to stretch San Fran's defense like they haven't been all year. That's true, but also, but then you also have Borals their up. front seven. We're going their way ahead seven. of ourselves here, though. That's these games true. haven't even been played. That's true. So, I think these two games are going to so be really good games. I hope Green Bay can keep it close this time, but I really don't see them even being competitive with San Fran. I don't think so. Because I don't think Green Bay's roster is good enough. I know they had a 13-3 and season. I know they've played really well. I think their defense has been great. But, like, they're going to be on the road against a team that, that smacked them on prime time a few weeks ago, and I just don't think anything's different enough now to warrant a new outcome. I'm 100% with you there, and really, obviously, the biggest part of the show is is to disagree. But, unfortunately, lately, folks, it has not been that way because, it really, it, it's some of, the, some of the outcomes have been, have been the same. You, you look at... You look at Green Bay, you look at San Fran, and and you just see it's been, excuse me, it's been a complete one-sided affair. The 49ers ranked fourth in offense, second in defense. The Packers, 18th in offense, 18th in defense. Their, Their best part is their rushing, 15th. And the moment, the moment that they shut down Aaron Jones, Okay, so you throw to you you throw to to Devonte Adams, okay. Well, you have Richard Sherman to throw to. You... Yeah, San Fran matches up really well with Green Bay because San... they have a loaded defensive line going up against Aaron Jones, and then you have a superstar corner to go up with the one receiver Green Bay really trusts. They could absolutely draw up a game plan that makes a lot of sense to slow the major pillars of Green Bay down. It's a matter of if San Fran can hold the ball control the clock, keep Rodgers off the field, because we know Rodgers can create from nothing. So if they can run the ball, control the clock, match up with their studs 
that Green Bay has on offense, limit them as much as they can. And then most importantly, San Fran can't be turning the ball over and giving Green Bay short fields. If you make them earn every yard, they're never going to be able to play to San Fran's level. I think, and and heading back to the early game, Tennessee and Kansas City, and I, and I, I do, I'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. I think the Titans, all you need to do is just push and just feed Derrick Henry the ball the entire time. You look at the at the defense for the Chiefs, 17th overall. Third overall in rushing for Tennessee, just ground and pound, and that's all you need to do. And it could potentially be another an- another game, just yeah, like how it was with Baltimore and New England. But the difference between that is Baltimore and New England, Tennessee went up from throwing the ball in both of those games. The offense was created earlier in the game throwing the ball, and once they got ahead, they started pounding Derrick Henry and wearing the team out. So Could prob- that happen this year? Well, the problem with Kansas here? City is – you have to get kind of lucky the way they did with Baltimore. They got the early turnover from Baltimore, scored their first touchdown. Then they got the failed fourth down and scored their second one. Kansas City is going to capitalize more often than Baltimore. It would be very shocking to me if Kansas City sputters out of the gate and lets Tennessee get out to a quick lead. Kansas City is the kind of team that could be up 14 nothing really quickly. And then it forces Tennessee to use Derrick Henry a little bit less to try and claw their way back. And if Kansas City keeps running up the score, they're never going to be able to utilize Henry to control the game. So they have to find a way, Tennessee, again, to limit KC early, I guess kind of the way um, the Texans did, and then close it out with your running back. But it's not going to be easy. Kansas City's offense is incredibly dynamic. They have receivers and tight ends everywhere that can make plays. Mahomes is a wizard. The running backs do just enough, especially in the passing game, to open things up a little more. Well, they were also down 21 nothing last week. 24 nothing. 24 nothing against Houston. Yeah. But Houston didn't have the defense or the running game to put the game away. And that's we saw what Kansas City can do if you give them a glimmer of hope. Tennessee's defense is much better, but Casey's offense is ridiculous. It's going to take a really good effort from Tennessee's defense to keep them from running the score up. Most points in playoff game in a playoff game in franchise history, 51-31 to 31 was that game. They, they won a game by 20 that they were down by 24. Like, that's insane. In a wet game that had tough weather, it was cold, it was... I think it was snowing a little bit, wasn't I think it? it was. like, yeah. like that was a game where they went raining. out and just went off yeah. in that third or second quarter on. It was it was raining a decent amount, but also don't forget too, you also look and see and see what the deal is with um with the Packers last week. They they did they did they did some good against uh against Seattle. Think, uh, I think we have uh, we have something here. Nick Partain, give me a little something here because I believe that I got a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff here. Oh, I have. Here we go. Okay, I see it. I think that this this. Do you want to announce it or shall I? Sure, I've been looking forward to this one. All right, here Apparently we go. the Giants have gone out and hired Jason Garrett to be their offensive coordinator <laughs> on Joe Judge's staff. So we got to see how that goes. Being oh, Joe Garrett kind of flamed out in Dallas, and I'm sure plenty of Giants fans have made fun of him over the years, and now they have to sit there and root for him. But to be fair, in Garrett's credit, the offense has been good there. Almost yeah, every year he's been there. Yeah. So we have to see what he can draw up. He hasn't been calling the plays, I think, the past two years or maybe just last year. So – He's probably going to get back to play calling. We'll see how that goes with a young quarterback, a young running back. Kind of similar in skill set to what he just had. 
but the line is completely different. So we have to see what Garrett can do with a much less talented offensive line and maybe create something from nothing. But we're going to see. He's got his work cut out for him, but I just think it's hilarious that he was under so much scrutiny from Dallas fans, Giants fans, the league in general, how he wore out his welcome, and now he's on the Giants staff and they have to force to root for him. But it could end up being a good hire. We'll yeah, see what happens. Personally, I hate to say it, but I do believe that it will be a good hire. And he's going to be motivated because now he's in that division. He's going to play the Cowboys twice a year and have to prove to them, listen, you made a mistake. Oh, yeah. And I th- and really, if you think about it, yes, the Giants have a ton of work to do for them. They all for themselves. They also have not only a ton of work for the um, cut out for them, but they also have a chip on their shoulder. They are. This is the time for Dave Gettleman to shine. Oh God. And yeah, I know. That's absolutely crazy that I just said that. But could it be? where this could potentially work out could he could jason garrett develop or help develop daniel jones yeah we could can see it be... he just did a great job with prescott as part of that staff and growing him up so what has to happen is he has to get the turnovers out of daniel jones I we've seen the offensive potential but he needs to be able to get the turnovers the fumbling the picks everything has to change in that regard so We'll see. I think it's good this... to have a veteran coordinator in there with a rookie coach that's been only a special teams coach. So it makes sense in that aspect. But we have to see if Garrett can rebuild his reputation. I... That's what took a major hit the past few years. I think that this would be a great hire. I really do believe that this would be. And you look at you look at certain things that I think I the biggest the biggest development that he has had has been has been Dak. You want to look, I guess, a little bit farther back. Tony Romo, he had nothing to do with that because that was Wade Phillips you had there. You also had Bill Parcells there. Jason Garrett had nothing to do with that. He was just you know strung along there for the ride. I think he might have been whatever. like the quarterback coach though. Yeah, he was. He was the, he was the quarterback Cromo coach. was coming up, so right. that's a yeah. big part of that. Yeah, it is. But really, it's in terms of the full development. I believe I don't think he was there under Parcells. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. I don't and believe he, he's so. Been with the Cowboys a while, he so has I don't been. know for yeah. sure. But I'm. I don't, I don't know. I think that this is this is definitely a good hire, in my opinion. Where I think that if you can develop Dak Prescott. I think he could do a decent job developing Daniel Jones. Yeah, we'll see. And so far, it's I mean, be Daniel, drama. That's what I'm looking forward to. This is going well. It's going to be a media poop storm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep that PG. That's for sure. It's going to be something uh, in the next few days. Probably when they introduce him, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I wish I was there uh, as media to um, to get a feel of what. I mean, I'll, he actually is an offensive coordinator, so most likely won't have an introductory press conference or anything along those lines. But you might. Mario's been making a lot of wonky decisions lately, so I could see him doing some nonsense. That is very true. You never ever know. Um, keeping it moving forward, let's uh, let's re- finish finish the day off with the NBA. Nick, Memphis, they've won six straight. Ja, Ja Morant. Six straight. They are in the eighth seed so far right now. They're in the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Can you believe it? Where the Pelicans have won two in a row. They are seven and three in their last ten. And Zion Williams comes back on the twenty second. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the second half Pelicans will look like with Zion playing. They 
they've shown some things. Brandon Ingram's been outstanding. They've started to play a little better of late, 7-3 and three in their last 10. But the Grizzlies being in the eighth spot right now is remarkable. That roster is something else. I mean, they're basically holding Andre Guadalla with a huge cap hit. He's not even playing for them. But they're running out there. John Morant and a couple of good forwards. Brandon Clark, they just drafted. Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas was basically cast off. That's right. Then you have Jaron Jackson that you drafted last year. That has a lot of potential. So they're mm-hmm. running out some good young players there. Valanciunas is more of a rock veteran player. Their bench is a bunch of mishmash nonsense that I don't can't even name, and they're playing great. Grayson so, Allen. Ugh. Coaching, doing a phenomenal job there in Memphis. I don't Who even has that job now? I can't even think. Is it Mon- Monty Williams is with the Pelicans, I think, right? I don't even know. That's why this is just so shocking. They were so off everyone's radar. Like, we knew John Morant was at least going to be exciting, but the fact that he's been this good and keeping a team playing this well, they're only a few games under 500, is remarkable. Good for them. Shocking to me that they're ahead of the Spurs and Blazers, who are teams that, like, no one would have written off and said would be behind Memphis at this point in the year, but here we are. It's absolutely wild, and, and, and you brought up you brought up who, who the head coach is, and it's Taylor Jenkins who who was That's why. I yeah, have no idea where right. he and, even came from. And he was what a job. He, he was under he was under uh, Mike Budenholzer in uh, in Milwaukee oh. uh, last year. So uh, you know Which is basically a Popovich was, disciple. Right, exactly. And and not only that too, he was a part of uh, the Eastern Conference Finals trip last year for, for Milwaukee. A lot of good things there. And and and, and yeah, it, really you look at you look at at the Grizzlies right now, don't forget the big name here. Yes, is Ja Morant, but this is someone that I had on my fantasy radar the entire way. Jaron Jackson, rookie. Jaron Jackson. The kid is a freak. Second year. Second year, sorry. So he's in his sophomore year. He's a freak. He's averaging 18 points a game. And to start from nothing, to have nobody around you, doing a pretty good job and even though I can't stand Grayson Allen because he's a Duke alum more to that don't have really again this is a PG program won't really talk about that but Mm -hmm. you also look at Jay Crowder too the veteran presence the bench that's there it's not that great and these guys that I'm talking about Nick you said it they're all cast-offs all of these guys were basically summoned to, you know, to another team. They were summoned to the G League, wherever it is. Jay Crowder, uh, Jaron Jackson. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm oh, not Jaren, saying that. No, yeah. I'm, I'm just naming names here. Jo- uh, Jonas Valanciunas, he was traded for Marcus Gasol last year um, with a whole bunch of picks last year. How about Dylan Brooks, who gets no attention? He was a second-round pick of Houston a few years ago. He was basically cast off, and now he's playing really well for them. 15.1 points, you know, and it's it's really, really admirable and remarkable to see uh, to see this happening right now. Dylan Brooks, he has 620 total points this year, and he's shooting 41% from the field. Really good for him um, and good for the Grizzlies, too. Again, as we did say, uh, the Grizzlies right now in the eighth spot, and uh, it's the Western Conference. I, I think I said this, and you didn't agree with me. And now it's be finally becoming something here. The Western Conference is the conference to watch in the NBA. It is. You said uh, I get. Uh, okay, I get San Antonio is terrible. They're five games under five hundred. They're five and five. 
They're terrible on the road, 6-13. and 13. Portland is still always going to be there, regardless of going 4-6 and six in their last 10. 9-14 and 14 on the road, 9-10 and 10 at home. You know what they have, Nick, which other teams don't have? Superstars. Two of them. Yeah. Not only that, the integrity and the loyalty in C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, who have both publicly come out and said, we don't want to leave here. Why? Because they are loyal. That's the, yeah. only, that's the only NBA jersey that I'd ever get, by the way, with today's players because everyone changes every other year, which is another reason why I can't stand the NBA. But, hey, I digress. Phoenix Suns, they're another team that could potentially. That'd be just as shocking as Memphis. Listen, they could. They, there have been talks where Kevin Love could be traded to the Suns. There were talks where Mikhail Bridges, who was on the Phoenix Suns, could be a part of a package. I don't know if you saw a video, Nick, where there was a – Mikhail Bridges was shooting a three. And I know you're not a big college basketball guy at all, but Mikhail Bridges back in his Villanova days, he was – he was – Sharpshooter. He, he, was, he was a sharpshooter for, 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 for national champion Wildcats. And the way his shot was changed, he has completely fallen off the grid and fallen off the map. You see these things. You could be part of a package. He's another one that could potentially be a, a trade, um, a trade chip, and could rejuvenate his career, just like guys on Memphis, like Dylan Brooks, or guys uh, like, or it could be. I'm not gonna say Andre Iguodala because his cap hit is so high, but you have players on certain teams that it's possible. Um, They're just not meant to be in a certain place, and on yeah. And we look back, and we look back at, at Cleveland too, with Kevin Love, where he had multiple outbursts. Yeah, he's got to get out of there. And he yeah he he threw the ball at Colin Sex or, or or said to Colin Sexton, "Give me the freaking ball," and he had a I don't remember exactly who it was to, um, but him and Tristan Thompson are just I, I think he well. Really, he's not happy at all because they're not winning anytime soon, and I believe they're also in the bottom. They're twelve and twenty-nine, three and seven in the last ten. They're terrible. They're terrible. He's got to get out of there. He's got to go to a contender. Where does he go? I don't know. I mean, it's tough when you guys that big a cap hit with the whole salary matching that goes on in the NBA today. Um, not a lot of the tippy top teams have the ability to swing a trade, so it's kind of tough for him to try and find a spot that he might be able to fit into. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Portland is another option because power forward's been a tough spot for them, but they, again, they'd have to figure out a way to match salary there, and it just makes things so difficult. So I don't know if Kevin Love will have an avenue out. Another dark horse team I would suggest is Houston. They always look for a wild way to swing things big time when things aren't going their way. They're playing very well this year but they're fifth in the conference so this could be the kind of time where they go out and they try and take a big swing and maybe swap quick Clint Capella who knows like I, I don't know it's just a very hard situation to try and predict because everyone knows the Cavs want to move Kevin Love at this point like there's no reason for them to keep him with him being unhappy and, and Corey Altman their team, too, the general manager too they've been having rifts right so. like so this they no leverage is there for Cleveland so teams aren't gonna offer much teams that can get him he might not even want to go to. I don't know if he has a no trade as part of his max deal, how that works, modified. 
it's just a very tough situation for the Cavs to deal with because they're not going to win very much in this scenario. So I don't know what they can even try and do. Three minutes to go here, but the biggest surprise here right now, in my opinion, is not the Memphis Grizzlies. You know who it is? It's the Oklahoma City Thunder, 23 yeah, and 18. Boy. They are five games over, uh, uh, five games over 500 right now. They are 10 games back. Obviously, they're not going to catch the Lakers. But and another big surprise for me, Nick, are the Miami Heat. Yeah. The Miami Heat, 28 and 12. They're six and four in their last 10. They're 18 and one at home. What? is going on there. Jimmy Butler is an absolute freak. Goran Dragic there too, which really I can't believe I just said his name because really you also look at you, you also have a uh, Tyler Harrow. You have uh Duncan Robinson. Yeah, that's another ben one. Of bio. Like these guys that have been I mean another very another few, another very cast few off. teams develop talent the way Miami does. And Pat Riley does an unbelievable job of drafting and developing. And what's also overlooked is Eric Spolster is actually an amazing coach. When he got hired with that Miami Heat big three, or he was retained when the Miami Heat brought the big three in, everyone wrote him off as like, oh, this guy's going to be just a pawn there. All those guys are going to do all the coaching and LeBron and things like that. And throughout his tenure there, no one really gave him that much chops. Once those guys have left, he's done an excellent job of keeping the team afloat every year. And now this year they're surging, and he's just an outstanding coach. He really is. With Pat Riley being the president there and doing a great job of player, man and player management and getting the right guys in there and then the whole staff developing them has been outstanding. They really are doing an unbelievable job. Moving over to the other side of basketball. We only have a minute to go, um, but I will bring up a couple of things uh, for the uh, for college basketball. Seton Hall plays St. John's tomorrow. Madison Square Garden, 12 noon on Fox tomorrow. Uh, the Australian Open kicks off on, Mon on Sunday night, bearing... Uh, a lot of the uh, the fire, the uh, brush fires and the wildfires going on in Australia. 500 million animals, including koalas, kangaroos, uh, dingoes, you name them. All the Australian animals, uh, unfortunately, have uh, passed on, uh, died due to the fires. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Air quality um, has been a problem there in qualifying for tennis, uh, the first major of the 2020 season. Uh Again, and, and and that was just the the little blurb there for uh, for the Australian Open. But the biggest thing here, back to the Big East, Seton Hall defeats Butler five and zero, or sorry, rather four and zero in Big East play. They're going for five and zero tomorrow against St. John's at, at Madison Square Garden, Creighton, uh, Butler. The Big East is a t is a conference to watch. We'll have more in two weeks. Uh, the biggest thing here also, uh, something that we do want to say here, we still have another uh, minute to go. Uh, we are in talks uh, currently right now with our former co-host Tyler Adele coming back on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, so uh, we'll have another voice here uh, once again. Uh, it should be a lot of fun bringing, uh, bringing Tyler back here. Um, we'll definitely be uh, keeping you updated in terms of uh, what the or when it's going to be. Uh, so that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest news of the night. We saved the best for last. And uh, Nick Partain, thank you very much here. Happy birthday. It is a happy birthday week. Age 26, Nick is. Yes, I know I'm still 24, a year and a half younger than Just Nick. I had to bring that even up. Though, even, though, even though I look older, I'm balding. And I'm, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just, it's terrible. Sorry, we make up for being old and looking old by acting immature. Exactly. So for all of us here at the Eastern Observer, I-95 Sports and Entertainment Network, 
and the rest of our crew. I'm Joey Jarzinka saying so long from Long Island, and we'll see you all in two weeks when episode 14 kicks off on January uh, 30th, 31st, 30th. Oh, my goodness. That, uh, thirty, Yeah, 31st. We'll see you all on January 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. for all of us here at the Eastern Observer. Good night.